Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers. Look back on the first couple days of CFL free agency and also Drew Todd, Jeff Demission of Team Manitoba. They're heading off to the Canada Winter Games this weekend in Charlottetown, PEI. You can hear all that coming up on the podcast. Uh, But Kenny Lawler coming back to the team. It's such a, a big signing for this team. And also, Derek did ask Kenny Lawler about one of his big passions, pass interference penalties. I'm curious to ask you about a game you had last season. You drew three pass interference calls on the same dude in a game. What's the feeling when you are so thoroughly dominating a defense as you did in that game against Montreal? Man, it's a, it's a great feeling, man, because, you know, um, I say it all the time. If that ball, if that ball is up in the air, man, it's going to be either be a PI or it's going to be a you know a Kenny Lawler catch. And um, you know that game was a prime example. Um, there was nothing they could do. The only you know the, my my you know biggest you know opponent was myself. If I dropped the ball, that was on me. You know, but there was nothing that they could do to stop me that game. And the only thing that they could do was draw draw penalties. And you know I'm pretty you know savvy when it comes to that being able to you know attack the ball in the air and, you know, put a put a DB in a, in, a, in a bad spot to where he has to be able to, you know, rely on, you know, possibly drawing the fact for me not to have a big game or possibly a touchdown. But, um, you know, um, and that's, 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 that's just what I bring to the table, man. Like, you know, you're going to have to guard me all play, every every down, you know, every second of the game, man, it's going to be a dogfight. And I'm pretty sure um, – you know, Wesley knew, you know, it was a dogfight. And, you know, hats off to him for, you know, playing a good game as well. But, um, you know, that, that's just what it is when it comes to me. But I'm the best receiver in the league. And, um, you know, guys around the league know that. They know that every time they come to play with me, I'm going to hit them in the mouth. We're gonna, I'm going to catch the ball. I'm going to rattle them up. I'm going to do all of that, you know, and it's not going to stop. It's just, you know, different. it's the same color that I was in just two years or a year ago. Derek Taylor, why are you so obsessed with pass interference penalties? And did you like what you heard from Kenny Lawler on that question yesterday? I did like what I heard, and I'm obsessed with pass interference because that game will stand out to me forever. Like, uh, uh, he draws two pass interference calls on Wesley Sutton. And the third one, Cornelius bombs it deep for Lawler again. And Sutton is just running straight back with his arms in the air, and he just crashes into Lawler. Like, there's nothing I can do. I'm just being repeatedly gooned by this guy. There's nothing I can do here at all. Uh, in that, and, and this is this is why uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with PI calls. In that game, he had seven catches for 92 yards, and you go, okay, well that's a, that's a, that's a decent day. That's that sounds just fine. He had 118 pass interference yards in that game, and as I look at it, he drew four in that game, but I think three off the one guy. He put up 210. He was responsible. For 210 yards and moving his team down the field by dominating defensive backs, but the stats will only show 92. So it was probably the most dominant receiver game in the league last year, and that's why I always make a point of thinking that pass interference yards are receiving yards because uh, they they accurately, to me, reflect dominance that receivers have over defenses in games. Is that something that you track through all your diligent note-taking? Oh, absolutely. That's why... Um, in the, what was it, the first game of the year, uh, I said to Doug Brown in the, in the pregame show, watch this, Greg Ellingson's going to draw a pass interference call, and it's going to be a big one. Ellingson drew a pass interference call. We both chuckled, and Ellingson afterward was like, yeah, hey, Derek, I thought of you when I drew that. I thought you were going to like that because Ellingson, was, Ellingson is by far the league leader 
in drawing pass interference calls by a factor of two to one over the third place guy. It's just, it's just, it, it's a neat stat for me because it just goes to there are extra yards that I think guys should get credit for. So I, I just give them credit for it. Okay, good to know. So let's just get your overall picture on first of all the Bombers in free agency. We knew they wouldn't do much. We knew that Kenny Lawler was going to be it. So I, I guess we haven't really proceeded much over the last 24 hours other than we know that Dalton Schoen is coming back to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and this offense, Derek, the potential for explosiveness is immense. Well, it's, it's ridiculous, right? You want deep threats? Well, can I offer you Schoen and Lawler and Carlton Agadosi? Uh, would you be interested in that? Oh, by the way, Nick Dembski can make 40 plus yard catches with anybody in the league. Can I, can I interest you in some stuff underneath? Well, Dalton Schoen can certainly drag across the line of scrimmage and run into some open field. Lawler can do just about anything. Drew Wolitarski, when you need some sure hands on the outside, I'll, I'll give you a little bit about that. Dembski is is a fantastic short area target. That little pop pass where he runs into the backfield, they just throw it, you know, eight inches forward. Dembski then takes it and does his thing. They they have everything. And oh by the way, they have the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League in Zach Kalaris. Like we're. Zach, if he's healthy for, and you know, things go the way they should, and he's healthy and into the playoffs, in the 20 games he plays, so 19 games he plays a season, he's going to throw for 40 touchdowns. It's it's just going to be, it has the potential, everybody's healthy, to be fantastic. It's it's so exciting to, to know that uh, Lawler will be back and, and bring that big playability with him. So we also learned yesterday that uh, Dakota Prukop's going to the USFL. Greg Ellingson has signed with Montreal. Michael Couture and Casey Sales, as reported last week, going to BC and, and Hamilton. And then the other uh, handful of guys that haven't re-signed here yet, like Rashid Bailey, Nick Taylor, Mercy Mastin. Don't expect to see them back next year. But where do we sit on the needs for this team now? And is one of them at the kicking position? Well, kicking will be the thing that we all talk about, right? Uh, Mark Leggio, when you when you consider the kicks he made, he was asked to make. He was the worst kicker in the league last year. His punting was slightly above average, so that's good. And his kickoffs were right about the middle of the league, so that's fine. Uh, but we're, I mean, we all focus on the place kicking. We don't really focus as much on the other two jobs. So uh, when Kyle Walter said we're going to bring in a budget competition and rookie camp, that was, I think, that was what we all wanted to hear. Um, they don't need to go find bodies at center, but uh, from Michael Couture, who's now BC Lion, to Chris Kolonkowski and Tui Ellie, that's going to be a drop-off, one would presume. Kolonkowski was fine, in my mind, and, and got them through last year, uh, but for 18 games, I'm, I, I need to see what that's going to be like. And then they're going to have to find somebody at defensive tackle for Casey Sales. Uh, bless Sales for the $200,000 a year He'll be getting for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but the Bombers just couldn't couldn't match that. And uh, they, they'll have to go with Ricky Walker and then whoever else they might find along the way. And then I I don't know, it, it sticks it just kind of sticks in my mind. The defensive backfield is something that I'm going to want to watch because Winston Rose struggled last year. Uh Desmond Lawrence, we kind of watched him when he got here and went, why did Hamilton let this guy go? He was fantastic in blue and gold. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to know if there is something behind why did Hamilton let him go just on the field wise. And then Demario Houston, Alden Darby, that field side will be something I'll want to watch in the early part of the season to know, okay, well, are they in the back six? Are they as good as they think they are? Or where are they in that? Because that could be a spot that sticks out for us. 
Around the league now, uh, today was a big day for the Hamilton Tiger Cats more than anyone else. They did a lot of adding today. Yesterday, Saskatchewan was was pretty busy. Edmonton as well. as we A lot of the signings we saw yesterday were ones that were reported over the last week or so during the legal tampering period. But who who do you think did the best so far in the last 28 hours or so? Oh, to me, it's Hamilton. I, I think it's absolutely Hamilton. Edmonton's probably close in behind, but Hamilton did the best. Um, they were so bad at their tackle spots when Chris Van Zyl got hurt last year. So they go and get Joel Figueroa from BC, who I was I was really crunching on my West ballot of what left what tackle am I going to put in there? Ultimately, it was Stanley Bryant, but Figueroa was was not very far behind him. Uh, they get Duke Williams at receiver, who was not good last year and certainly not worth the two seventy five. Saskatchewan paid him, but that's a big play guy to go with multiple type weapons like Tim White and Braylon Addison. So I love that pickup. They don't really believe in the running back, but they get James Butler from from uh, BC. So that's a nice pickup. But Jameer Thurman to be the man in the middle keeps them keeps them stable. They'll go Canadian at defensive end by getting Kwaku Boateng, who was a revelation a couple years ago. They get Jagera Davis back. Like they really improved both American and Canadian, and in all the important positions. Uh, I really think Hamilton looked at the East and went, yeah, let's go do it because this this East is going to be wide open with a team like Montreal about to hit the skids. Uh, let's go for it. So I think Hamilton is, is the winner for me through the first two days. Montreal's big move bringing in Cody Fajardo. Ottawa uh, didn't really do a whole lot. Shaq Evans would probably be their biggest move. Jawan Santos-Knox was reported last week. Uh, for Toronto, the yeah. defending champions, what have you thought of their work or lack thereof? Well, they reinforce that defensive line. They they bring in Falera Narimalade. They give him the big money from Calgary. He's a he's a smaller defensive end, smaller in height, but he is an absolute force and and the guy who led the league in quarterback pressures. I love that play. They bring in Thomas Costigan as well, who's a guy who went from Edmonton to Montreal last year. There's depth defensive end. They run Canadians at defensive end. Sean Oakman is a monster in the defensive tackle spot. Uh, their, their linebacking core, they get to go Canadian at middle linebacker with Jordan Williams. Winton McManus, some people were talking about defensive player of the year last year. They get the best strong side linebacker in a Darius Pickett. Like their defense will be for real. Uh, their offense, I don't really know because they haven't really solved any problems at tackle. They have a you know, wealth of bodies for Canadian interior, uh, but receiver Devaris Daniels hasn't ever materialized. I don't. I've never. I've never. Yeah, I thought he would take a jump at some point to be one of the best in the league, and he's he's good and he's fine, but uh, he's back, uh, so I'm okay with that. Curly Gittens was a big re-signing on a three-year deal, but I don't know what they're going to do at receiver and. Chad Kelly at quarterback. As much as Chad Kelly was 21 for 21 on quarterback sneaks last season, can he play quarterback in the Canadian Football League is, is something they'll have to determine because they've, as of yet, chosen not to bring Bethel Thompson. So I don't think the Grey Cup champs got any better overall, but uh, those those pickups on defense certainly will, will keep them in the mix. In the West, Calgary and BC, both in similar situations to Winnipeg, where there wasn't a, a whole lot to do. Two very good teams that already had a lot of guys under contract and not a lot of additions made. 
Uh, but for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, obviously a lot of turnover. It's a it's a make or break year for Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson. Some would call it a lame duck year, but we'll see what happens here. Trevor Harris is their new quarterback. Jake Wenicky comes with him from Montreal. They also bring in Juwan Breskison, Philip Blake on the offensive line. Dan Clark's gone, I guess, is the move that corresponds with that. Any any thought that the Riders look better now than they did last year? Well, I, I their offensive line was the focus th- this past season, right? Because Cody Fajardo and company got sacked more than 70 times. It was unbelievable. Um, they'll get better on the offensive line just by having brought in Trevor Harris. Because Harris is a short-passing quarterback. The ball is out faster that takes pressure off the offensive line. I think we'll notice that less. Uh, their defensive line, to me, they at least held steady. It was a, it was an absolute force when all those guys were healthy last season with Pete Robertson and Anthony Lanier. Michael J- Micah Johnson is back. So that'll be good. Uh, Larry Dean go- moves into the middle linebacker spot where he was a star in Hamilton. But the thing, when I look at this, I go, okay, well, Jake Winicky, fine. Uh, he was very, he had a very down season, but he was touchdown Jake in 2021. They get Sean Bain, who was a depth receiver in Calgary, to be their wide receiver. I don't see a passing offense. I don't see receivers that that really blow my hair back, other than Key and Schaefer Baker. Jawan Breskison makes can make some unbelievable catches, but he's never become what we thought what those catches might have made us think he might be. So I don't see a ton of weapons in the pass game. Um, they can certainly run the ball. Uh, so I, I think they'll struggle on offense and be carried by their defense. And I, I just don't look at that and go, yeah, that's a team that'll threaten the Bombers the, next season. So finally, before I let you go, it's you know day two of free agency, a lot already accomplished. Who of the players still available <laughs> in, intrigues you the most? On Three Down Nation, they've got a, a list of the best available free agents and their top five is Sean Lemon, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Darnell Sankey, Cameron Kelly, and Simone Lawrence in that order. Would you agree? Well, so Sankey and Kelly are both going down to the States. Uh, Sankey's already signed with one of the two leagues down there. Kelly's kind of insinuated that I'm leaving Canada. I... I don't know that – I mean, Lemon was the, was the West Defensive Player of the Year. I get it. But there's there's got to be a reason that he's free at this time of year every year. Like, think of where Lemon's season was last year. He went, he eventually got signed by Edmonton, went to camp, and was never with the first team in camp. They release him at, probably because they wanted to be Canadian or whatever they were going to do. And he ends up with the Calgary Stampeders and has a great season. So he produced some sacks. They weren't all wins, and he's fine. I'm I'm honestly curious that uh, Boom Guachim is a big defensive end from from BC, and he's a guy. He's a huge stature. He is 32, and he's only been up here a couple of years, but he can do some things on the field that you really only see Willie Jefferson do on the field. And he's not the quality player that Willie Jefferson is, but he's got that frame and he's got that ability to make those take those big steps inside moves and and to harass tackles. I, I really love Boom Guachim quite a bit, and that there's been no I haven't heard a thing about him. So that's the one for me that kind of stands out. He's not the kind of guy the Bombers would go go get because he'll be way too expensive to be a depth defensive end for for Winnipeg, who is very clearly set at that. But I, I, I Boom Guachim could make an impact for somebody. So to me, that's the one I want to know. Where's that cat going? All right. Appreciate your time, Derek. As always, thanks for this. And uh, we'll let you get ready for the Bomber Winter Special coming up later this month. 
Oh boy, the 27th, right around the corner. Canada Winter Games just a few days away from getting going in Charlottetown. Thousands of young athletes from across the country gathering in PEI to compete starting Saturday, and that includes a strong contingent from Manitoba. Chef Demission from Team Toba is Drew Todd, who joined us a lot this past summer for the Canada Summer Games, and he'll be doing that in the next couple weeks for us here on the show. Drew, how excited are you to be heading out to PEI? Yeah, we're, we're getting really excited. It's, um, you know, with the, the Summer Games and the Winter Games being so close together, it's kind of feeling like the culmination of a, a full, crazy three-year cycle that, uh, that we've had, but... You know, our plane uh, leaves for week one participants on Friday, and uh, a few of us are actually leaving earlier this week. So, you know, once we kind of set foot in uh, Charlottetown there and then see the village and see the venues, um, you know, it's all going to start happening, and, and we're really pumped to see it. From your perspective, when you think of winter, do you normally think of PEI? <laughs> no, I think uh, internally we had a bit of a joke where a lot of the promotional videos were you know, nice uh, green grass, dirt beaches, and uh, the water. But, uh, you know, I think that's the great thing about Canada is you can't go too far without seeing some sort of winter uh, winter sports venue. But another good thing, too, with the Canada Games is that it uh, it's not just one city typically that hosts these things. So uh, some of the other maritime provinces are getting in on it. New Brunswick's hosting a couple competitions. Nova Scotia's helping out with the speed skating. So it uh, everybody kind of comes together to, to make it work. But... Uh, Certainly, it's it's not typically what a lot of people would think when they think about the Winter Games. So, what kind of sports are we talking about at Winter Games? Because it's not all sports that we would see at, like, a Winter Olympics, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, with um, you know, the, the venues here in Canada, we just don't necessarily have the capacity to have a full-blown Summer Games, full-blown Winter Games. So, oftentimes, just to balance out the, the sport programs, You'll see some traditional summer sports even that are played indoors will be at a, a winter game. So things like you know wheelchair basketball or squash or table tennis are, are part of this program here in PEI. Um, and as well, I, I think, you know, an Olympic Games, you're always going to have those sliding sports. In Canada, I think at most we have two sliding tracks over in uh, BC and Alberta. So it would be pretty difficult, I think, to, to have a luge representation from every province in the country. So it's a bit of a modified program, there's no doubt. Um, sports like ringette, for sure, which is a very Canadian sport, uh, are part of these games, which makes it a little bit more, um, it means a lot more, I think, to, to Canadians than it might do to the rest of the world. But it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's mostly a, a typical winter sport um, type program, and, and we're looking forward to seeing it. Hockey's there, you've got Skiing, like cross-country, freestyle skiing, figure skating, speed skating, curling, of course, the the Canadian staples of, of winter sport. So uh, how do we stack up generally in the winter games against the rest of the competition? Because I know from the summer games, we look at the medal standings, it's generally the big provinces like Ontario, Quebec, BC. A population obviously plays a big part in this. How do we stack up? For sure. I, I think traditionally Manitoba about uh, fifth place in, in those standings and, and you know kind of we jockey with some of the other provinces like Saskatchewan maybe a little bit of Nova Scotia here and there for that fifth sixth seventh run but definitely our goal coming in is, is fifth place um, and you know it, it all depends on the sport right when we look at just purely medal standings a lot of sports just offer a lot more medals 
So you can't always look at that. Whereas curling, you know, Manitobas usually do pretty good at, but there's only, you know, three medals for the men's program, three for female, three for mixed curling to, to be shared across the country. So sometimes it's a bit harder to get the, a comparison when you look at something like short track speed skating or judo, which has, you know, 30, 40, 50 medals available depending on the weight class and things like that. So, um, I think we had, uh, we had about 25 medals in 2019, and, and that was a good result. Got us into fifth place, but we know we can do better. And, uh, you know, we're shooting for that. And hopefully, you know, as we build up this program over the years, we can really solidify ourselves in that fifth place spot and, and potentially down the road as, um, you know, more resources, more investment, and more uh, growth and evolution of, of the sports system here comes. We can possibly even challenge some of those bigger provinces. So how many people are we sending? We, in total, are sending just under 300, but that's made up of about uh, 207 athletes, about uh, almost 70 coaches and uh, technical managers and sports staff, and then uh, about 22, uh, we call mission staff as well, to represent the province. And that's broken up into chunks, right? Uh, for sure, yeah. We usually, it's about an equal amount, uh, week one, week two, so somewhere in the range of you know, 150 each week uh, should be there at the problem. And wh- how is it broken in terms of the sports? Is it like half the sports go the first half and half go the other? Do any of them go the full duration? Uh, no, you're right. It's typically, it's broken up more on the participant level, so you know, team sports send a, a few more athletes often than the individual sports. But by and large, it's about 10 to 11 each week. Um, you know, the full rundown, like hockey, for example, you've got the men going the first week, women going the second week. Same with curling. It is both weeks, but, you know, females, males, uh, a split like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, most of the support staff, I would say, are there for about two weeks. But each athlete is about there for uh, seven or eight days. Tell me more about our flag bearer for the opening ceremonies. Yeah, uh, well, long track speed skater Sophia Bieber was chosen. Um, we are we are very excited that, uh, that she applied for the position and or she was nominated. I guess uh, is a better way of saying it because she's outstanding. Um, she's right now are just finished up uh, the youth world speed skating championships in germany she actually had to miss our opening press conference for it but as far as excuses go i think that's a pretty good one um recently in january won nationals for uh, long track speed skating and like now is a a two-time member of national team so you know she is absolutely a medal threat but also just great girl down to earth very humble very team focused even though she's in an individual sport and really kind of you know, exemplifies the qualities that we're looking for in a representative from the province. And her sister's going too, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy, eh? Um, some of the, you know, they're doing a good job uh, raising kids in the Beaver family, for sure. But uh, the sister's in short track speed skating. Um, and that's, uh, you know, I don't know how that, that works internally, but uh, we've got a long track speed skater and a short track speed skater, so... You know, one likes to turn left a little bit earlier than the other one, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how that works internally in the family, but um looking for big things from both of them. When was the last time you went to PEI, or have you ever been there before? Yeah, some of the leadership staff goes um, to each uh, venue for um, a couple days, twice in, in the year leading up to games. So we were there in October, 
So there was actually right at the aftermath of kind of the hurricane. So we didn't quite get to see everything we wanted to, but um, it's one thing I can really say about Charlottetown and, and really the whole PEI um, games experience is, is it really, they're really excited for the games, the locals there, really opening up their doors, making every arrangement possible so the athletes, the coaches, every province and territory has a, has a great time. Um, really has that community feel, even though it's a, a very big footprint between the, the different communities being part of the games. Do you like seafood? <laughs> Me personally, no. But um, what I understand is you better like lobster a little bit because it's hard to find anything else on the menu sometimes. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, the staff and the athletes will get used to it because uh, you know getting it right out of the ocean is the best way, right? Absolutely, not quite the same uh, freshness when you get it here in a, in a <laughs> restaurant in Winnipeg. So. Well, Drew, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and I look forward to checking in with you regularly as the games go on. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you liked what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain.